Hello and welcome to the St. Helens Podcast. I'm Simon Carley. I'm Natalie May. And I'm Chris Nixon. G'day, Chris. How are we doing? Fantastic. It's been a big day, but um, still got a little bit of energy in the system. Hopefully it'll carry me through the next week. Well, you just carry through the evening, because I think it's the evening reception tonight. So why are we here? We're here in Copenhagen again, is that right? Indeed. Teaching course? The teaching course. Day two. And specifically the sim course and the learning course. Yeah, because you've done this thing with um, courses within courses, so that allows people to come for different days depending on what their interests are. So, quite right. Interesting day, Natalie? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think there was a, there's quite a variety of educational methods, of topics that were covered. It was high energy, there was a lot of activity, there was a really good atmosphere in the whole room. Yeah, so we kicked off this morning with, actually, what we did first, which I thought was really good. I've not seen this done on many courses, which is spend 10 minutes reviewing yesterday's work and going through the questions which the candidates had had from the night before. And I don't see us doing that very often in courses, but actually it worked incredibly well. Lots of educational theory behind that about retrieval practice and um, space repetition and relearning and testing, all that kind of stuff. Actually works. It was, it was 20 minutes spent that I thought was incredible value, actually one of the best things we did all day. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I often think with other courses that I've run, I, I wish I've done that. And I've certainly seen the guys in San Diego who do the reanimate course do that very, very well. And it's a good way to just check what people are learning, see what their take-homes are, see, check that it calibrates with what we wanted them to understand and give it a little opportunity to clarify things so that you're set up well to go into whatever it is you're going to do today and build on that. Yeah, so time well spent. And then we went into the simulation course, which was the first half of the day, led by yourself. And you kicked off... Oh, led by Jesse. Oh, was it led by Jesse? Yeah, yeah. Okay, started by Jesse. No, led by Jesse, started by Chris. And you, I think you did the first lecture, though. Yeah. And you, you really got me thinking, actually, about this whole concept of what we mean by expert and expertise in there. And it's one of those things that you think, oh, well, I know what that is. But when you dig into it, it's actually really complicated in medicine. It's a frustrating thing when you're given a talk title, like simulation for the elite performer or expert, and then you spend three months trying to f- understand the title and figure out what it is exactly you're going to be talking about. So, I, uh, yes, sounds like you're feeling my pain. No, it's good, though. So what was the conclusion there? What, what the conclusion is? Expert performance, elite performance. It's actually quite difficult to really dig down to in medicine. So what was the final summary for that? Well, I mean, the, the crux of it for me is that, uh, as we sort of say, it's like pornography. You know it when you see it. But we all feel like we know have a picture of a person in our mind who is an elite performer or an expert in our field. But it's very hard to quantify that uh, in the context, particularly of what matters in medicine, which is patient outcomes and the performance of patient care. Uh, Because teasing out an individual from a much greater collective is really, really tricky. And another thing I took away from that was we often talk about individuals being elite performers, but in medicine in particular, and you drew, you drew a very good analogy from sport, and it is the same sport, in a football team, there are no specific elite performers who could do everything themselves. They're definitely part of a team. And if you think about resuscitation, critical care, emergency medicine, pre-hospital care, none of us, no matter how good we individually are, can perform to an elite level without all of those people around us. And I think that's really important when you look at how you build a team. Because to expect every person in the team to be brilliant at everything, that's not going to work. The, the way I think teams work is you have people who have differing skill sets and you actually 
fit them together so that they work well. And um, I guess that's a lot of the stuff that's been spinning through my mind as I've, as I've tried to think about that. I think there's a really good example of that in the faculty that we have running the course. So we've got all these different courses within the course itself, and we've got different people working on every day, really drawing on the strengths from our different areas of practice, putting together something that works as a whole educational product. But you know, I'd feel like a total fraud standing up and giving a talk in the simulation session compared to some of the other people who are here. And yeah, I can do the feedback thing. One of the things we've tried to do throughout is to live the values that we're teaching. So to actually demonstrate on the teaching course that using teaching theories works. And we'll talk about a little bit about, more about that later. But in the simulation course, what we did, or what you guys did this morning, was value essentially constructivist learning. So you got the groups to develop their own simulation programs, their own simulation tests, their own simulation activities, and then present them back to the group. So instead of us just telling you this is the best way to do it, they were permitted to practice, to make mistakes, to try things out, to do theories, and then bring it back to the group for feedback and even more ideas from a wider audience. And it's quite, as we were talking about before, it feels risky to do that as an educator because you have no idea where it's going to go or how it's going to turn out. But every time I've done it, it seems like it, was, it worked. And even if what came out at the end wasn't perfect, the point is, is that you've learned from it. And they've constructed their own learning, which has much more value. I've got to say, maybe you're better at it than me, but whenever I've done these exercises, they usually come out, I've got this anxiety before we start, that are they going to get all the learning outcomes that I want them to get? And inevitably, it seems that they get all the ones that I want them to get, plus the ones which I didn't think of myself. And we certainly saw that later in the day. So I thought that whole idea of allowing them to generate their own learning, constructivist theory, in fact, socio-constructivist theory here, worked really well. So I think uh, we really focused on three key areas when we built those sessions. And one was in-situ simulation and I think really thinking about the, this concept of functional task alignment. So whenever we're doing something, it's really got to have a clear objective. And you don't need the fanciest equipment. You don't necessarily... It's all about making sure that whatever you do have is an authentic learning experience for what you're trying to achieve. I think that was one of the big things that came out. and we So that's why there was an emphasis on why we do need to do at least some sim in our place of work with authentic teams. There was another uh, section really on CRM and the crisis resource management. And uh, I always think when I hear about that, that that's become this dominant paradigm for how we do team training in medicine. But there are lots of other ways to do team training but that I actually don't know much about. Some of those things being things like stress inoculation training and cross-training and different roles so that we understand what each other do and various other things like that. So we heard a lot about the pros and cons of that. And then the other key element was debriefing, which is such a, a big, juicy topic, and there were some really great things that came out of that. Yeah, some of the participants were um, very good actors. <laughs> At least we hope they were acting. Yeah, I think so. Some of them are a bit tricky um, to deal with. Another thing which I took away from the simulation course today was your honesty and openness about the need for simulation to be participated not just by juniors and it's not just for the medical students and the newbies into the department but actually demonstrating and leading this by example as the consultants and the senior nurses and the senior managers and the admin teams coming together and actually demonstrating that we all do this and we can all value it. Mm. And it is one of the things I really love about insight to simulation is sometimes I think 
doesn't actually matter what you do because you're just getting people from different tribes talking to one another and understanding each other and seeing where they're coming from. And I think any time that happens, uh, you get some gold. In the afternoon, we went on to the learning course, which sounded a bit more theoretical. It's, it's kind of, what's the, what is the underlying theory behind medical education and what can we learn from it? But in essence, this was trying to align the science of learning with something which is practical and pragmatic. Because, I, I mean, I'm not, naturally, I'm not a theorist. I'm much, I'm much more preference to just getting on with stuff and getting on and doing it. But I think after reading books like Make It Stick and Mindset and things like that, it has changed the way that I've approached learning and approaching even doing sessions like this today. Then I think there's a counter-argument to being involved in that kind of theory that your session almost proved in itself, in that you gave people completely unstructured questions about medical education, challenges, so how do we learn new things, how do you cope when you're struggling, and they basically came up with medical education theory without knowing any medical education theory. So I think you just proved that you don't have to know anything about medical education theory to be able to teach effectively. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. And actually, that's possibly been my journey in life. What we were trying to do today, though, is to, once people have got that understanding of there is a theory, when they're struggling, perhaps, or when they're trying to instill better ideas in their learners, they can use it. So I'll give you an example of this. So we talked about, one of the theories we talked about today was how do you cope when you're struggling? And that led us into this idea of a fixed versus a growth mindset, which is from... Dwork. Yeah, I can't pronounce that name. So, great book. Um, which Chris put me onto some time ago. And that fixed versus growth mindset, we were able to demonstrate the, the difference between valuing talent versus valuing effort. We talked about how we'd done that on the course. And we talked about how when they're dealing with learners who are struggling, if they revert back to, it's just because I'm not good enough, there's nothing in me that can do it. Well, actually, we can change and reframe that. And the best examples came out of us talking about our children, didn't it, really? About how they learn if they're struggling with a maths problem. Saying, well, you're just not good at maths is a self-fulfilling prophecy. As opposed to, well, you just haven't learned that yet. Or if we try something different or we reframe it, then we can get you through it. Because there's lots of things that I couldn't do in the past. There's lots of things I still can't do, to be honest. But I'm working on it. I'm growing. You know, I, I actually look at Simon a lot and I think about how sometimes I feel like I'm just following in footsteps and going along. And so hearing you talk about how um, how you don't see yourself as a theoretician or whatever and you just like to get on and doing it. And I would say I'm the exact same. It's all just about I want to do stuff, test it out, see if it works and stuff. Yet I look at Simon and I think he actually knows a lot about the theory. And I look at myself and compare myself to a couple of years ago and realise I actually know a lot more about it as well. And so we're obviously seeing some value in that. And one of the key things I think about it is that when you have some understanding of those theories, it lets you generalise to other settings and other problems because this works because of that. So now I've got this problem, how am I going to solve it? Well, using this, I've got some strategies that I can maybe employ. So we did quite a lot of things, we answered a lot of questions and links to all of that sort of stuff we're going to put up on the blog post, which I think is already live. Um, So pretty good day actually, lots of activity, lots of interactivity and most of the work was done by the participants, which is absolutely what we wanted. So now what are we looking forward to tomorrow? So tomorrow we've got our half day on presentation skills and then we have a half day on feedback. Which is going to be a lot of fun actually, there's a lot of games involved in that. Mm, Indeed. No one is going to cry. No. 
No, because that, that never happened. No, ever when we've run a feedback workshop. Let's not go. No. No. I, I need tears of joy. Of tears course. of joy, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then Saturday will be over, and then we're off to Death's Mac, of course. Yes. So we'll hear Indeed. more about that tomorrow. Indeed. Right, thank you so much for your time. Lovely day, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Thank you.